Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael Crosswhite, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I am Nathan Loudon, the pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Michael, what year were you born? 1983. You were born in 83? I was born in 83. I'm two years older and smarter than you. Yeah. Man. How is it that I'm... You were born in 81. I was born in 83. And I have so much more wisdom than you do. How's that? I I don't know. It it amazes me, honestly. It really does. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that makes us both millennials. I'm millennial, barely, barely. Oh. Millennial, technically you know, speaking. I have a shirt that that says Oregon Trail Generation, and <laughs> I feel like I'm more of that. <laughs> I'm, you know, I remember being in like an aftercare at our school because my parent, both my parents worked, and I was kind of a latchkey kid, and I remember uh, going during the school year going into my fourth grade teacher's room with a couple of my friends who also stayed in aftercare and we would do chores for her so that we could sit on the, <laughs> on the Apple IIe or whatever it was oh, and play goodness. Oregon trail. I mean, and she would let wow. us play for like 30 minutes and we would like dive dysentery and broken legs and all that kind of stuff. And it yep. was awesome, you know? Well, that means so that's we're, my generation. we're both, we're both of the generation uh, that that doesn't know life before Roe versus Wade. Yeah, we have only known uh, Supreme Court. We've only known America, where abortion is legal. Right. And uh, this last week, that's the the big news, and it it has been quite a storm of uh, news and position vying and and political uh moving and, and shifting this week uh but the the big story is there was a leak of uh justice samuel alito's uh draft of an opinion not the opinion of the court yet not the final uh official rule of the court but the draft of his opinion which i mean I did you read any of the statement itself yeah the, i mean of the it opinion was read read the, the opinion. opinion. I read itself, almost yeah. all of it. Yeah, yeah, ninety eight page, absolute abolishment of Roe versus Wade. Yeah, I mean, without not question. The kind of repositioning. Not, I mean, in outright, we got it wrong. This is overruling everything that ever had ever connected right to abortion to the Constitution. Yeah, and so that's been that's been leaked now, and um, I mean, this has been this is. This has been a foremost issue for Christians in terms of public policy, in terms of uh, conviction for the past, I mean, for 50 years it's been a question coming up on the anniversary in 2023, but especially the past couple of decades, there have been a lot of really heavy movements, and Texas has been a good example of just annually chipping away more and more, pursuing the removal, the overturning, the the functional uh, legal removal of yeah. of abortion as as a right. Yeah. So, th- the idea that the Supreme Court would just come 
undo this in one fell swoop is uh it's difficult to grasp the the magnitude of it yeah um when you first saw that you you sent it to me in a text i didn't realize you had sent it to me i was reading the article and then i sent it to you and when i sent it to you i realized you had just sent it to me yeah yeah. Kind of dorky is that, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so you, what you, what you think? I mean, what were your thoughts? What were your thoughts when you first saw it? You're just going, wow. Well, you know, obviously we we've been following this, you and I, I mean, for some time, and anticipated something like this was coming, particularly mm-hmm. with the Mississippi law, mm-hmm. and um, God bless the Mississippians, uh, <laughs> you know, putting together. A, a law and I think that's that's been you know I think well, there's so many things to talk about in this but um, even going back to when Supreme Court justices are on the the docket you know st- sitting before the Senate you know you and I both anytime that happens we kind of have as we're working have the little the you know TV up listening to the their, their mm-hmm you know thing and texting each other back and forth of like did, did you hear what you said this or that you know that kind of thing Tonji Brown Brett yeah, Kavanaugh oh yeah. I mean all, all, all of were, them Kavanaugh yeah. and and all of them Gorsuch yep and uh and what what's you know so um significant about the things that they say and you see this in Coney Barrett I think when she was sitting down is they asked them about Roe v Wade do you are you going to overturn Roe v Wade are you going to overturn Roe v Wade you know mm-hmm. and their response, I think, is always, you know, pretty shrewd in terms of how a justice, how you'd want them to respond, mm-hmm. is it depends on the case that's in front of me. Mm-hmm. You know, not always is the case that's in front of me one that justifies the overthrow of, you know, so- something like that. Like, it, the, the, the case has to be kind of ironclad, in other words. Mm-hmm. And it seems like through the, the sh- shrewdness of some politicians in Mississippi, and I'm, sometimes when I say shrewd, people think that that's a pejorative term, and it's, it's really not. It just means yeah. clever. Yeah, um, cunning. Yeah, yeah. Very, very, and even cunning has a kind of a pejorative connotation. It's really, really not. It just means that yeah. you know you're you're wise and you're about the way that you kind of approach mm-hmm. it and the wording and the verbiage and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. All of that matters when it comes up to the Supreme Court, and the shrewdness of this particular law, coupled with uh, Supreme Court justices who saw the error of Roe and the case that was decided in Roe and then eventually in Casey, um, putting all those things together, you know, understood that this is, this is the time, you know, this is the time, this is the case where Roe has to be corrected, Casey has to be corrected, and well, actually, I guess Casey corrected Roe, and so this is correcting Casey, which mm-hmm. corrects Roe, I guess is the way mm-hmm. to think about it, but um, that that, you know, turn, turns it over. And, and I guess, you know, as we're looking at this, like I, I kind of thought there's going to be a day where this, where some, a case like this comes down the pike. I just, it's almost too, too, like when it actually happens, you think it, it can't be really. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I, I mean, is it, is it really here? And even now, like, it's just a leak. 
You know, mm-hmm. like the case has mm-hmm. not actually been decided. This could easily go the other way. Mm-hmm. And we could be sitting here, you know, in what, two, two weeks or a month or so, or whatever, yeah. and be Keep going, going, ah, well, they flipped the other direction and, and be yeah. really disappointed. But it's Not almost like... be disappointed, but the conspiracy theories about... Oh, goodness. Who was, who was threatened, who changed positions, why, I mean, it... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but it, but it's it's almost like it, it, the fact that it potentially could be happening is like a dream. It's like that. I mean, are we really right. we're really reverse? I mean, because this is the biggest scourge. I think that's. Well, I mean, there's several scourges in America that have been histor- historically scourges. Mm-hmm. This would be up there, at least in the top one or two. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've got slavery and abortion. Slavery and abortion, I think, are probably the many other two things biggest category. Yeah, absolutely. That, without question, two of the biggest scourges in America, and the fact that we could be living in an era where slavery is a thing of the past and abortion is a thing of the past. Granted, we're still a long way from abortion being a thing of the past, but. The fact that potentially we could be living in a world where both of those are things of the past, and and granted, mm-hmm. that's slavery. Thinking of like slavery as capturing a person from Africa, bringing them here, and and employ and and you know holding them as slaves on your plantation, mm-hmm. right? That's not considering things like um, uh, like sex slavery and things like that that are still very much going on in mm-hmm. this country, mm-hmm. right? So like I'm not trying to belittle Even those things, yep. but I'm you know what I'm saying like. The fact that we could be living in a world where those things are unthinkable—they're not—they're not expected in society. They're not wanted in society. They're wanted to be eradicated completely in society. Is crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. It's and, such and a I grace of God. But yeah, I think a difference between like human trafficking and slavery was that there was a a government, right, church-supported, funded, societal, systemic, right, culture. Yeah. whole legal realm yeah where slavery, slavery in the 1800s was not underground right. right like sex slavery is now sex right. slavery is now is like on the secret right. you know and and, and and it's hard to find a church unlike during slavery it's hard to find a church that really supports human trafficking right and right, sexual right. abuse right so which was common during the during slavery the and I, and I think you brought up something you know it just makes me think too I, I think for a long time, that uh, Christians and those who um, who want to see abortion abolished illegally, um, it, the 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 idea is that we win that Supreme Court case and it's over. Oh man, and this is where the work sl- begins. Bringing up slavery is a great example. Uh, I mean, just well, just think about how just think about how wonderful and glorious the Reconstruction era was, yeah. and how easy that was, and just how victorious it was. No, it, it it was messy, and it didn't, and it's, and it really hasn't even ended in its entirety uh, culturally today. Uh, we are we're still living in many of the echoes and ripples of the the society that existed generations ago. Yeah, uh, laws have changed, books have changed, the Supreme Court has made decisions, amendment has been added to the Constitution regarding slavery, and and yet not all things are just 
peachy. So, so I, I think it's important for us to know and just think about the fact that the Supreme Court case comes down as we hope and is there's anything close to the opinion that Justin, Justice Alito has written uh, that the so-called Reconstruction era after that, uh, it, I mean, we're, we're, we're still going to be a split country. Well, yeah, and I, I, I would say that when it comes to the, the full scope of ending abortion, if abortion, if the abortion story in America was a book, we would still be in the preface because mm-hmm. you, you're talking about, so when the, when the Supreme Court had ruled in Roe and then Casey that, that abortion was a constitutionally, uh, a constitutional right for mm-hmm. Americans, Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that could ever fix that, because it wasn't a law, it wasn't mm-hmm. a law. It was just right. the Supreme Court Still saying not. this is in the Constitution. Yep. So the only thing that could ever fix that was a Supreme Court later on down the road saying, "Just kidding, it's not in the Constitution," which is essentially right. what's just happened. All right, exactly. that's the only thing that could fix that. So, so and between that's important to note, that's the only thing the court can do. Right, say we're o- overturning Roe. They're not making new laws. They're basically no. saying there's not a law. Yeah, on this, so someone's going to have to make a law. Right. So essentially, what w- the reason that for us we're still in the preface and the real work is about to begin, if indeed Roe is overturned in this upcoming case, um, is because when the only way we could we could address that is if another Supreme Court down the road, which is the one we've got now that basically said, just kidding, it's it's not in the Constitution and removed it. Um, and so there was no there was no law we could put into effect. There was no uh, there was really nothing. They said, oh, this is in the Constitution. So if you did produce a law that said abortion is illegal across the country, then the Supreme Court presumably would have said, well, no, because it's a constitutionally protected right. Right. So the only thing we could do is hope that there would be presidents down the road that would appoint Supreme Court justices. So it's like this really long game, right, of just mm-hmm. sort of the, the, the preface of the book. Mm-hmm. Right. And then now that it, it would let's let's assume that all of this is, you know, legit, which Roberts has said that the, the leak was legit, like the actual mm-hmm. document was legit. Um, but let's assume that they follow through and that this is actually the ruling we think is going to happen. Well, in that case, now you have 50 states who are going to make their own laws in accordance with abortion. Mm-hmm. So some, obviously, in probably deep red states, Alabama, Texas, maybe some others, are probably going to outlaw abortion outright. and Or they're going to have some they're probably going to have some varying degree of outlawing of abortion. It's going to be mm-hmm. heavily restricted. Um, and then you have your deep blue states, California, New York, that they're they're going to say probably abortion's good. Who knows? I mean, they may go all the way up until the point of birth. I don't even know. There's no seems to be no stop to it. Um, mm-hmm. the The question that I have in my mind is, what about these purple states? Your Arizonas, your New Mexicos. I mean, even though New, New Mexico tends to lean uh, mostly blue. Um, yeah, you know, but but you're sometimes Colorado. It just depends on the state. But you know, Virginia sometimes can be a little bit purple. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these states that are that tend to be kind of could go one way or another on any given election. What are they going to do? This is where the work of the church actually begins. 
This is where the the shrewdness of politicians actually begins. This is where we're really going to find out, you know, have we been discipling people in our congregation? Have we been actually teaching people in our congregation the immorality of abortion? Mm-hmm. And we're going to find it out when these legislators who may be members of churches go before Congress and go before their own state, you know, state Congress, I mean, yeah. and and you know, start crafting laws and yeah. the governors that may yeah, be members of churches. It, the document itself that was leaked in it, uh, Justice Alito says, it is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. Yeah. So the, the statement is explicitly saying legislators are going to have to legislate this. Yeah, and so the church, period. the church's voice in the states before mm-hmm. now was just mm-hmm. like, well, just vote and hope some Supreme Court justices get in there. Now it's like, no, we actually have to really fight hard because your state may make a law that says abortion is fine till mm-hmm. nine months, and but that also can be overturned and voted mm-hmm. voted down or voted against or changed in the coming years or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And so it's an ongoing fight. The book is just beginning. It, it's mm-hmm. now become... I mean, it literally, to get a, a, a outlaw of abortion in your state, it will pretty much be 50.0001% of the people of your state, mm-hmm. you know, voting one way or the other. I mean, it really comes down to that. So now it really has, or it potentially could, make this a, this is where the fight begins, you know? Mm-hmm. This is where we, our work actually is, is, going to be towards our state representatives and really caring about all of these elections and all of these things because this this is a scourge i mean an absolute scourge on our nation 63 million abortions since 1973 60 over 63 million in america uh, one of the statements made this week uh, by the president, and you and I were talking before we started recording that uh, there, there's no desire to get overly political. There's no desire to, to bash the president. There's no desire to, you know, be a political commentators per se, you know, that realm. Um, but the, there was a statement that the president made this week that's important to to pick up. This was his kind of response. Um, he said, "Roe says." what all basic mainstream religions have historically concluded. Now, in the past, um, President Biden has said what I think represents a very mainstream understanding of <clears throat> a relationship to abortion in America, and even by many Christians who say they can be Christian but somehow support abortion legally. And that position is, I'm a Christian, I think abortion is wrong, but I don't think we should bind everyone's consciences with that in America legally. I don't think that that should be a law where we make that choice for other people. That's my personal religiously held belief. That has been Biden's position with the Catholic Church. I agree with the Catholic Church personally, my religious convictions, but when it comes to being a politician and making laws and overseeing the country, I don't think that we should make everyone agree with me and my religious convictions. That's the understanding, and this statement that he's made this week is actually a significant shift from that. 
He's saying Roe says what all basic mainstream religions have historically concluded. So he's just made a significant shift. I think that's important, not because it's the president, not because I agree or disagree with the president, because it represents a very mainstream idea about religion law. Basic mainstream religions have historically concluded that the existence of a human life and being is a question. Is it at conception? When life begins, is it at six months? Is it at six weeks? Is it quickening like Aquinas argued? So the idea that we are going to make a judgment that is going to say that no one is going to be able to make the judgment to abort a child, his words, to abort a child based on a decision by the Supreme Court, I think goes way overboard. There's a few, I mean, there's so many things in that sentence, and again, we're not here to, to bash the president, pick that apart, but I think it is very representative. That was probably a prepared, planned statement, even though it was in kind of a give-and-take interview moment. That was not the first time he thought those those things, and it would be uh, welcome by many as a, a fair attribution of religious thoughts on abortion. And there's a few things that happen in that statement. He positions the question as a religious question with religious support, that religions have historically concluded the existence of a human life being a question. We don't know when it begins. That, and all religions really say the same thing. Michael, we don't know when they begin. We don't know. It's a mystery. All religions say the same thing. It could begin at conception. It could be six weeks. could be six months. Who knows? We don't know. Aquinas himself said that it's like a quickening. In other words, it's a, uh, the assumption there is that it's kind of a, a process. It's kind of this, you don't know when it happens. So it's kind of a mystery. So who are we uh, to say and that there's religious backing for that. Uh, this, this article that I mentioned by uh, Catholic News Agency comes out and actually addresses the Aquinas quote, saying Thomas Aquinas borrowed that from uh, Aristotle, uh, the idea that the human soul is not present at the start of pregnancy uh, in some way. But at the same time, Aquinas rejected abortion this is the Catholic News Agency article, rejected abortion as gravely wrong at every stage, calling it sin against, quote, against nature yep. to reject God's gift of life. Quickening actually refers to the stage when a woman is first able to notice her baby moving in the womb. So the quickening is going from there is an undetectable baby in my womb to the quickening happening being, oh, first kick, I felt that. There's a life that I felt in there. Uh, the quick, the idea of quickening to Aquinas wasn't actually that life started there, but the life was noticed, and now the 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 mom is presently aware. Oh, there's a baby in there, moving around and kicking it. So all that all that to say, uh, this kind of assumption and belief that religions, and he's throwing in his own basic mainstream religions. I can only assume that would be Christianity. Islam, Hindu, Mormonism, I mean, what, what are the other basic mainstream religions? Um, atheism? I don't know. And they all believe that human life is, a, is this big question, a question. I, I just think that is a fun, the fundamental basic disagreement that 
uh, and worldview that Christians would have that comes from God's word uh, with those who do not believe God's word, that life begins in the womb. Life life begins at conception. And that that has been the orthodox historical belief of Christians, at least, for uh, how far back do you want to go? Exodus? Genesis? I mean, what do we... So it, it's it's a reli- it's a fundamentally religious disagreement, and I think one of the things the president has done in this sentence is reveal what we've always known is actually true: that uh, no one's actually setting aside their religion to go make laws. No one does that. You can't no. do that. It, it, it's 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's <clears throat> it, it, you can't do that. Yeah, uh, it's it's inseparable. Um, I think um, one book on that, Lehman's book, uh, How the Nations Rage, Jonathan Lehman's mm-hmm. book, I think it's called How the Nations Rage yeah. or Why the Nations Rage. Anyway, you yeah. look up that, it'll, it'll, be, it'll get you there. Um, but uh, it's so good, and he argues basically that, that there is no, there is no political opinion that's free from religion. Mm-hmm. They're all battling over their gods mm-hmm. in the town square, and mm-hmm. this is no different. There's mm-hmm. no question that life begins at conception. There's not even a question in the abortionist's mind that life begins at conception. They know that there is a living thing in there that they have to kill. If it's right. not alive, why do you have to kill it? Yeah, I think so, the statement that was made, and I'm Mueller picked up on this this morning or yesterday, which, by the way, I, you just got to say, when, when Al Mueller heard his name mentioned, in the White House press conference, I think it was better than any birthday he'd ever had. Uh, <laughs> He's like, I can retire now. Uh, he picked up so <laughs> fast on that. <clears throat> but he, uh, so again, the president's comment was uh, that the idea that we were going to make a judgment that's going to say that no one is going to be able to make the judgment to abort a child. That was hit the sentence going to be able to make the judgment that's the choice by every person to right. abort a child right. based on a s- decision by the Supreme Court right. so it's like we we don't know when it begins conception six months six weeks it's qu- this quickening but when it comes to choice we know that it's your choice to abort a child just yeah. the language the language the words used you, right you're, you're taught you 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 are telling us that in your mind you are talking about aborting a child. Right. And it, you know that it's a child. Yeah. And, and it's typically, that, it I, overboard. I think the conversations have devolved into analogies uh, of healthcare and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, if, you know, you had a health issue, you wouldn't want the federal government getting involved with your health issue and uh, so on and so forth. And, and, but the, the, the frustrating part of that is that abortion doesn't need an analogy. We get it. We understand what it is. It happened mm-hmm. to all of us. We were born. Most of us have had children, uh, you know, and that kind of thing. And so we, we know what it is. We don't need an analogy. But we also have to understand that there is no analogy for the birth of a human being. There's, you, can't, mm-hmm. you can't relate something growing in a, a life, a, another human growing inside of another human to anything else. There's no other healthcare situation 
that is like that. Mm-hmm. And you, if someone has cancer, they have a tumor growing in them. The tumor can be excised because that tumor is not a human being. It's not a human mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, it is living in that it is cells, but it is not a human being. That's different than what we see growing inside the womb of a woman. Of mm-hmm. course it's alive because you have to kill it in order to mm-hmm. remove it. So we know that it's alive. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no question that it's a human. What else is it? Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's not it's not a tumor. It's not something else. You know, it's a human being. So there's no question that a human life begins at conception. They know that and we know that. There's a question mm-hmm. as to whether or not you want to ignore that when it comes to policy making. Mm-hmm. And so to me, you know, when they when there's arguments being made on the other side that say um, well, when it comes to healthcare choices, we draw the line. That's where the, but this isn't as simple as saying a healthcare choice. Obviously there are physicians involved in this process as well, but this is not healthcare. I don't have the right to take someone in a back alley and kill them. I don't have the right to do that. Whether it's, you know, uh, this person is a particular pain to me or not. I don't. I don't have the right to be able to do that. And it seems like every argument that is being made for the abortion of children could also easily apply to uh, a, a an aged dying person. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you can't determine when life begins, can you determine when it should end? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're in a situation where they have, they have, many have sought to define life as a, a period in between your fading years and your time in the womb. That's where mm-hmm. life is. Mm-hmm. But in the fading years, you can, you know, kill yourself and doctors can assist you to do that. That's fine because you're not really living yeah. at this point Still. anyway. You know, and so, but that, that, is, that mirrors or that relates to their view of, of life in the womb, right? Mm-hmm. If, if life in the womb is just, well, you're just a clump of cells in there because you can't, at this point, either feel pain, you can't vocalize, you can't make a big enough scream that uh, someone could hear you, um, then, then on the other end, they're doing the same thing. Here, here's an old person, well, they have cancer, they're in a lot of pain, they have no quality of life at the end, uh, they can't remember anybody, uh, that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, what, what real use and value are they to society? And so they can also die. So it's, it's, it's. Does that sound n- familiar? Historic. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's, it's. It ought to be ringing in our ears. Yeah. It's insanity. Um, I mean, it is absolute insanity. So when you, when you throw out life beginning at conception, being made in the image of God, when you throw that out, well then who can live? Mm-hmm. What is actual life? I mean, it, it brings us down to some very existential questions. Mm-hmm. What What is life itself? And if you don't be, define it at conception, yeah. then basically anybody can die for virtually any reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what does, it, what does it mean to be human? Is there any um, transcendent meaning to humanity at all? Right. Basically, if you're going to take that logic down down its road as far as it logically ought to go there's actually 
no meaning to any life. Yeah. There's no reason to value anyone else's life. Yeah. At all. And and lines of where life begins, if you don't define it at conception, are strictly arbitrary. Mm-hmm. So is it when you can feel them? Is it when they become uh, able to grow outside the womb, able to be self-sustained? I got news for you. A baby, an infant, cannot feed itself. And if you leave mm-hmm. it by itself, it's going to die. So mm-hmm. why is it that life begins when they uh, can function apart from the mother? If that's the case, then that's not till like 18 or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. not till like a long time down the road. So at what point do we draw the line then when, it, when mm-hmm. it's not strictly arbitrary and, and or heavily contingent on modern medicine so like they they draw i think in row they drew the line at at uh, uh the third trimester or whatever that it never should happen in the third trimester because mm-hmm. the the baby is viable outside the womb now it's mm-hmm. back to 20 weeks mm-hmm. um but you know presumably in you know a hundred years from now let's say it a baby could perhaps be transplanted into another womb mm-hmm you know, I mean, that's, I, I would assume that that's theoretically possible that mm-hmm. one day that could be the case. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that abortion is completely overruled then when modern medicine sort of catches up? I, I don't think we live in a world where our laws can possibly keep up with modern medicine and, mm-hmm. and technological advancements. There's mm-hmm. no way we can define life um, in any other way than at conception. And there's mm-hmm. no other way we can define uh the death except when life is is ended right at mm-hmm. the at the very end and both of those we acknowledge god is the one doing i mean even as far back as as uh, the psalms david says for you formed me my inward parts you knitted me together in my mother's womb i praise you for i am fearfully and wonderfully made there, there's there's an acknowledgement for throughout uh judeo christian uh, belief that says humans are God's possession and he has made them, mm-hmm. you know, and because of that, God is the one that determines life or death. We have stewardship over the earth. We have stewardship over, um, you know, creeping things, mm-hmm. uh, birds, animals, fish of the sea. We can thin the herds we can determine life and death for these Mm -hmm. creatures that we have stewardship over but judeo-christian values throughout time have acknowledged we are god's workmanship Mm -hmm. god has stewardship over us he determines life at conception he determines death Mm -hmm. um and so we leave that strictly up to him but you throw out god and all of a sudden you don't, you can't define when life begins. You certainly can't define when it ends. And so basically everybody's up in the air and able to be killed for any reason whatsoever. Right. Yeah, and you see the biblical testament. You see the uh, the Levitical law giving uh, rights uh, to unborn children in the womb. Uh, in in the law, when it comes to retribution, you've got John the Baptist leaping in for joy in his mother's womb at the presence of Christ. And what, what's strange, too, about the biblical, the, it, it's almost like the Bible is kind of like, well, duh. Yeah. 
human. I mean, like the the Bible isn't going. Oh my gosh, I don't know how to answer this question about life. We got to make sure to add some some sentences in the New Testament to clarify. It's kind of like, what? 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 <laughs> who's who's really reading Genesis and asking this question? Yeah, the 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 Bible is uh, it just affirms at every turn uh, that there is a human in the womb. Uh, that it is that it is that simple. There is a person uh, born, conceived in the womb, from the moment of conception. Um, yeah, I think another thing that, that I before we kind of maybe think theologically, practically for a few minutes is the um, the the idea. Uh, the president has uh, referred to this. Many have referred to this. The uh, the great late night television host. Seth Meyers referred to this, and it's the idea that this is going to overturn 50 years of precedent. <laughs> 50 years yeah. of precedent. I'm like, I don't know, I know people older than that. Yeah. <laughs> like humans have been living like, longer. Yeah, like we're supposed that. to go, oh my goodness, 50 <laughs> years? 50 years. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, I was thinking, as I was thinking through this, like you have obviously the Bible beginning with this base of knowledge, but but we have documents just after the Bible's written. Mm-hmm. And some documents even that were written probably in the midst of the Bible being composed mm-hmm. that take what the Bible is teaching and apply it specifically. So you have mm-hmm. examples like the Didache, which is a, a, a book, uh, it's arguable as to when it was composed. Some argue as early as 50 AD, some argue as late as eh, 150. So it's going to be mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Listen to this. Uh, the second commandment of the teaching, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not seduce boys, you shall not commit fornication, you shall not steal, you shall not practice magic, you shall not use potions, you shall not procure an abortion, nor destroy a newborn child. It's, what, 70 AD. The letters of Barnabas in mm-hmm. 74 AD. Mm-hmm. Um, um, thou shall not slay the child by procuring an abortion, nor again shall thou destroy it after it is born. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, on and on it goes throughout, and granted, these are not uh, in the Bible, but these are these are people who are following directly the Bible's teaching, you know, mm-hmm. and, and writing to their audiences based on what, you know, the Bible's teaching, would you say first century, second century preachers, mm-hmm. essentially, mm-hmm. who understand that what the Bible is teaching exactly applies to the, the unborn child and the newborn child, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, go I, back I as far as the Old were, Testament, where you yeah. see the sacrificing of the kids to Molech as being mm-hmm. an abomination, unfathomable, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and now we're sacrificing children to the God of convenience. Yeah, and I, I, whether you're a, a Christian or not, uh, the the age argument of you know, of precedent uh, it doesn't it doesn't even work logically in America. You go back to the the earlier common laws <clears throat> before the Constitution was written. Uh, you have laws protecting 
the unborn. So you have you, you actually have precedent that goes back to 1776 and before. <laughs> uh, the the last 50 years are the parentheses. They're mm. they're actually the oddity mm. in in history, and it, it just it makes me wonder at times. Honestly, wonder. Although I have biblical and and theological answers for such questions, it it is still vexing. Um, when you go, uh, we, you know, we we have this fifty year old precedent. How can we possibly overturn something fifty years old? I'm like, I don't know. Every day I'm reading a book that's two thousand years old. So so so, what's hilarious about about that? Not hilarious. It's tragic, but it's kind of it's a the irony, the right. humor in the irony, is that the argument was that Roe v. Wade is constitutional, mm-hmm. but they're admitting only in the last fifty years. Right, the Constitution's like three times that old. <laughs> yeah, right. right. So when that when that <laughs> law came about, or I guess four times that old. So so is it constitutional or is it not? If it's constitutional, yeah. shouldn't it be two hundred plus years? Yeah, almost three hundred years. But it, yeah. but you're you're admitting that it's not. Right. That it it was fabricated out of whole cloth, and given as a constitutional right fifty years ago. Yeah. Uh, and it overturned millennia. Of Judeo-Christian yeah. principles. Well, it's kind of it's kind of like dispensationalists who say, "Ah, this didn't really start with Darby. It really started with Augustine." Yeah, <laughs> well, did it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think a, a a question for us would be: I mean, th- there, there's no way we can really get get into the scope of. Uh, I mean, I think I, I guess the summary would be: of all things we've talked about. It's just difficult to comprehend how fundamental to existence and the, the definition of what it means to exist as humans. This is not just about the, the issue of abortion is not just about freedom of choice versus not freedom of choice. Hmm. This is not just about health care choices. This is not just about right to privacy. That's a big thing in Alito's statement that this. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely overrules the idea that the right to privacy in the sense that it's used in Roe and Casey is even in the Constitution. But it's it's bigger than all of those things. And it really is about, is there a God? Yeah. Did he make the world? What Are we accountable to, to him? Are we accountable to him? What, what does it mean to be a human at mm-hmm. any point? Uh, mm-hmm. And the, the existence of humanity from conception to death. And I think when, when, for me, when we begin to realize that those are the questions, it's not just a question about what should our laws be. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a big question. It's an important question. I've, I've had my own opportunities uh, through our, our Baptist State Convention personally to think about legislative processes to, uh, you know, I've voted uh, my conscience in regards to uh, biblical ideals for righteousness when it comes to abortion. But the questions that we're asking in our culture, the questions that our neighbors, our family members, our coworkers are thinking about go way deeper than, well, do we have free choice or not? Mm-hmm. Right. It's about what is humanity. It's about is this God's world or not. Mm-hmm. I was talking to you earlier. We got it. We got kind of into the weeds into Revelation, 
uh, earlier today. We, we didn't record that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, I'm, it's some, some somehow this is going to work its way into my introduction this week. This whole uh, Supreme Court decision. Um, but there's there's a higher court that has been leaking information for a long time, so to speak. Uh, the throne room of God Himself, who's going to judge uh, uh, the dead in this case in Revelation at the end of chapter 20, but the God who is able to judge the living and the dead, uh, the Bible says. And something something that has been so helpful to me in understanding the real thrust of what's referred to as the great white throne judgment, the final judgment we were talking about today, Christians and non-Christians, the the great final judgment where after this there is no more judgment. Hmm. After this there are no more court decisions. After this there are no more appeals. When the dead stand before God, death and Hades is thrown into the lake of fire itself, and all those whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life are thrown into the fire as well. All court cases are over. All judgments are over. This is the final decision. And something that has helped me understand what what kind of gives God the right to do this? What kind of gives God the right to be the judge? I mean, one of the big questions about the Supreme Court right now, and one of the big questions since 1973 is, who gives the court, who gives the Supreme Court the right to make decisions like this? Shouldn't this be legislated? by the Senate and by the House of Representatives and by the states. That's largely what Alito's point is, uh, that this isn't even a legis- this, this shouldn't be legislated by judiciary uh, decision. This should go back to the people, back to the House. And you kind of want, well, what, what gives God the right to be the judge? At the, fi- at the very end, very end of time as we know it, of, of, of existence as we know it, what gives God the right to judge every single one of us? And when you go back to uh, Revelation chapter 4, you have John's first vision in the book of Revelation. Well, he has the vision of the seven churches, but he, he goes through the door into heaven, and he begins to be shown things through heaven. And one of the first things he sees is chapter 4, verse 2. Come up here, I'll show you what must take place after this. He says, At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. It's exactly what it says at the end of Revelation chapter 20, the great judgment. Then it goes down to the end of the section, Revelation 4. What is everyone singing around this throne? Falling down before him, worshiping the one who's seated on the throne, him who lives forever and ever. Chapter 4, verse 11. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created and that launches into the rest of everything that's in the book of revelation god you created everything by your will everything existed and everything is created and you mentioned that earlier Uh, i don't know if it was luther's quote that uh how, how did you say it about the devil what was luther's quote there's no devil that isn't god's devil oh, yeah, or something he's god's like devil. that yeah 
it's like the whole point of Revelation is there's not a God, there's not a, a demon, excuse me, uh, there's not a devil, there's not a nation, there's not a government, there's not a horn in Revelation 13, there's not a power on the earth, there's not a beast that God's not going to judge. Yep. That God doesn't own. The God Death and create. Hades itself. Death itself, Hades itself are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And judged. It's, it's every single thing is underneath and subject to the judgment of God because his throne is the source and him on the throne is the source by which everything existed and is created. So of your, the course, title of your sermon should be the Supreme Court of Creation. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> uh, Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> but it's, it, it, it begs the question, who is the final say? Who is the final judge? Not just of our laws, but of man. Mm-hmm. Of every nation, every single nation. I was thinking about this. I'll, I'm going to pull it up real quick uh, before I forget. But thinking about Psalm uh, 67, and part of the joy that is to be spread out to the nations. Part of the part of the celebration that is to be announced to the nations as as part of missions, so to speak. So Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let the peoples praise you. 67 verse 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let the peoples praise you. I mean, there is good news to all nations God judges the peoples with equity mm-hmm. he's a good holy sovereign judge yeah so if you're but begging for righteousness if you're begging for a good holy final judgment to come down it's not coming from the Supreme Court of the United States of America not finally right. not forever the court here may agree with God for a time but our final judge of all things is God himself the creator the maker of all things yeah and I think there there's also some things that that are should uh, bring about some fear in that right Mm. and some Mm -hmm. uh, I mean obviously we see in in Revelation 20 verse 15 that the grounding of our salvation is in Christ and Christ alone. Your name being found in the book of life, which throughout Revelation is very clear that it, that's based on the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, mm-hmm. It's the book of the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. So it's people who are found in Christ. So that's the determination of eternal destiny. Mm-hmm. But it also there's another book that's also opened in this passage, and um, that's in verse 13. It says that they were judged according to what they had done. So these books contain the, the, all the works that we've done. And Jesus even says in the Gospels, judged by every careless word. Mm. Um, you know, and so it, it, we're judged according to what we had done, which mm. is a particularly terrifying thought in relation to what we're talking about today, mm. that 
uh, I suppose the sea gives up its dead, death in Hades gives up its dead, and the trash cans behind the abortion clinics give up their dead. Mm-hmm. And if we're judged by what we have done, and here are how many 63 million aborted children mm-hmm. um, that are standing before the, the throne of God, mm-hmm. uh, murdered by us and by the laws that we allow to be on the books. I mean, mm-hmm. it, this makes it a scourge, right? This, this mm-hmm. is why uh, it's an ultimate travesty. It, you know, up there with slavery and, and probably a few other things too. Um, sex slavery would be up there as well. You know, um, that, that we're accountable to God. That's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not just a question of whether or not how, how we want, uh, I mean, it is all those things that you said. It is, you know, what, what does it mean to be alive and things like that? But mm-hmm. are we accountable to God? Mm-hmm. If we are, then being a, a judged according to what we have done and some of what we have done are, are the dead standing next to us that we we killed uh is particularly terrifying mm-hmm. standing before the one who judges in e- with equity mm-hmm. um so let me ask you this i mean we've kind of positioned this uh, whole podcast as taking what is in scripture and applying it to everyday life and just mm-hmm. the the things that happen in everyday life and how the scriptures mm-hmm. actually speak to those things um, that's the way we've kind of framed all of our conversations with each other, you know, and, uh, as we've talked about preaching and things like that, that's kind of how we conceived of just recording what we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, if, so what the, just the regular Christian that's in uh, church, just a regular church goer has a, you know, job eight to five, whatever. Um, what do they do now? Let's say Roe is overturned. Um, what do they do? That's a good question, and um, I, I think if our answer is something new that we've not been doing for the past 50 years, it's a big sign we haven't been doing what we're supposed to be doing the last 50 years in the sense that you know, we're, we're going to start talking about adoption. We're going to start talking about um, birthing centers. We're going to start talking about uh, help for young, pregnant, single mothers. Um, and if if this is the first time we've ever had that conversation, that's really telling about the church. Right? I know that doesn't exactly answer your question, but what I'm getting at is there's not going to be something, some specific command from Scripture that starts July 15th when the Supreme Court decision comes down and is in favor of overturning Roe versus Wade. Now we begin a new dispensation of Christian ministry in America. No. Good grief. I mean, there's been pregnant moms for the last 50 years. Hmm. There's been broken families for the last 50 There's been dads who have no idea how to be a dad the past 50 years. Um, there's been confused moms. There's been uh, Christians who have poor theology about what it means to be human, about how Christians ought to relate to the government. 
So in, in a sense, if we, my, my first answer before getting practical would just be that it, it shouldn't be all that different, actually. We ought to be caring for people the same way. Um, are there going to be numerically more women potentially looking for what to do with their babies who are not going to be seeking abortion because they are um, uh, because it's outlawed in their state? Probably not too much. People are going to be going to other states. You know, a lot of a lot of uh, question already right now is what are states going to do when uh, there is interstate. Uh, travel to have these procedures done. Um, for example, uh, Amazon uh, recently announced they're going to start giving $4,000 uh, per year allotment for those who need procedures out of their state that uh, can't be done in their state. That would include abortion. Um, so, so the idea that the Supreme Court decision comes down, abortion ends, now what are we going to do? Well, A, we should have been doing the same thing all along. And and B, uh, it's actually not going to be as different maybe as we think functionally immediately. Um, so when it comes to uh, being a church that cares for mothers, being a church that's open, having a house that's open uh, to your neighbors, uh, sharing the gospel with those who are lost in their best or worst moments, um, it, it, it doesn't, I don't think it's going to change that much, but what it ought to do is uh, hopefully be another moment to awaken us to go, okay, what are we doing? And uh, I think the, the care for our communities, care for our neighbors, the personal connections. Um, like I, I know one of the, the men and women in our church have uh, a single mother living next door to them, uh, and that is a focused ministry for them young single mom and that's their neighbor it's no one else's neighbor right that she's not at some birthing center in another city uh, that's their neighbor and they've taken ownership personally of that relationship with her to have her over for dinner to get to know their family to get to know her and care for her mm-hmm. um, that, that's a woman with a, a born child but the applications go on you become uh, you begin thinking about practical resources uh, for women who are in need. Our church has done that in different ways um, over the years. Uh, something that we did for a time in our church was partner with uh, a, a local birthing center where uh, we would actually host showers for uh, what we what we would know were women in um, uh, crisis pregnancies. They were considering abortion, perhaps. They didn't know. They were in trouble. They were alone, usually uh, unmarried uh, and pregnant. And we would hold showers for them and uh, do the cake, do the presents, do the diaper towers, and uh, do the money tree. And uh, we don't know them. We don't know who they are. They don't know us. And uh, we weren't always able to develop real long lasting relationships. Uh, with the women that came to our church. Um, but that was one of the best examples of doing something local personal versus um, uh, marching and campaigning for legislation, which has its own place, uh, but is something personal and close. Uh, so thinking about those kinds of things, we, we ought to be thinking, we, should, we shouldn't be waiting for July. 
for a decision to be thinking about those right. things, and we should be, be thinking personally, uh, individually, as much as we should corporately as a church. I don't know anything you would add to that. Is that kind of getting at what you were, what you were yeah, even um, asking? So, uh, several years ago, I was working at a church, and a, a lady um, came to me, and she was a, a member of the church. She was actually secretary at the church. And, um, and she said, you know, I don't know really what to do, but I really have a burden for, um, young moms to be that -hmm. are not wed, Mm -hmm. um, that are, maybe they might be considering abortion, um, or or maybe they just don't know what to do. You know, Mm -hmm. they're pregnant and they, they don't know what to do. And she said, so I want to minister to them. And mm-hmm. I don't know how. And I said, first, do you know any uh, any women in that situation, any any young girls in that situation? And she said, mm-hmm. no. And I said, okay, well, first job is to get to know some, mm-hmm. <laughs> is to figure out who they are, where they are. There's mm-hmm. bound to be a place or somebody who has kind of the inside track on getting to know some of these ladies. You need to get involved um, so, and she, she did, and the one thing led to another, and over the course of the next couple of years, she began a mercy ministry inside of our church where she would bring these ladies in, mm-hmm. and other people in our church began helping provide for them diapers. Uh, after the child was born, they provided for them formula and food and um, those kinds of things eventually the children worked their way into our children's ministry sometimes they had older kids already and um and and they would you know hear the gospel in our mm-hmm. children's ministry and so i i would say to somebody that might be listening don't like kind of like what you said don't wait till july i would also say don't wait until somebody in your church asks you to mm-hmm. take up a ministry to these ladies if you're burdened with um, with this, all that we've talked about, burdened in any way um, toward caring for these moms-to-be, uh, and you want to see babies born rather than aborted and cared for, then um, get involved in whatever way you possibly can. And, and I think, too, that's a good question to go to your pastor with or a minister in your church and say, mm-hmm. I'm really burdened in this way. How mm-hmm. could I, what could I potentially do that Absolutely. that would, you know, maybe uh, leverage a way to minister to them, share the gospel with them, ha- provide them actual temporal care um, in some way, kind of get into the battle. How, how could I get into the, the fight? That's a question every pastor wants to hear. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and I would say a couple things. One, two, I, I think the idea would be if you if you think that God has appointed you to be the Facebook warrior oh, man, pro-abortion, uh, yeah. you're, you're in a long line of people who have felt that calling. So maybe reconsider what you think is faithfulness. It's not just campaigning on, on Twitter and online. Right. Um, and... Uh, if you need, feel like you need to say something, say something fine. But that—that's not the epitome no. of of helping. And social media be, is not ministry. Uh, the other thing would be to is be prepared to do something that is absolutely unseen. Yeah. 
absolutely unseen. One of the one of the men in the church I won't name uh, is every Saturday goes to serve at the homeless shelter downtown. He just goes and serves food and clothes, yep. and it's just there doing deacon like service stuff. Yep. And you're gonna you're gonna show up at some pregnancy center, and they're not gonna ask. Their first thing is not gonna be ask you to sit down with a woman who walks in and is in a crisis pregnancy and have you counsel her for an hour. Right. That's, unless you've got training and experience, that's probably not going to be the first thing you're asked to do. Right. Don't be surprised if you show up and they go, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful. There is a whole room back there filled with clothes and diapers that need to be sifted and sized and put in categories so that people can come through. Mm-hmm. So that we can have time to talk to these women that come through. I mean, just mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff like that uh, that would seem and feel mundane to you but is hands-on seen by the lord and is actually helping someone yeah who's in your city in your community yeah. so be be we, prepared to do things w- that aren't glorious and fabulous and uh doesn't i would echo that and i would Facebook. say there there's a couple of people that i know of this is just to give ideas there are a couple of people i know of in in our church that uh one does serve in a crisis pregnancy center mm-hmm. um and she does do counseling uh, mm-hmm. Actually, two that I know of that do that. Um, another one actually goes to abortion clinics just to share the gospel. Stands on the sidewalk where he mm-hmm. can, where he's allowed to, and basically attempts in any way possible to talk to the ladies and share the gospel with them, tell them what's happening, and, and give them options. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there is there are myriad ways. The the lady at the previous church that I was I was talking about. Um, there are myriad ways to get involved or mm-hmm. to help or, or whatever, and that's not going to be everybody's burden. That's mm-hmm. I recognize that. That's not going to be everybody's burden. Um, it, it, there are going to be people that are that are ministering to, you know, or that are sharing the gospel with or ministering to the homeless or some that are going to be um, working with international students here in Tuscaloosa, you know, there's going to be a, a host of different gifts inside the body, a host of mm. different applications of how they take the gospel to people around them. There's going to be a number of people that, that are gifted in various ways, and not everyone is going to take up the cause of abortion, nor I don't think they should. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are burdened in that way, then don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Ask your pastor your minister on staff for direction and then pick up a shovel and go to work mm-hmm. you know and, and mm-hmm. do the work of ministry in completely anonymous ways mm-hmm. because you're you're seen by the lord mm-hmm. and you're putting faith in exactly what you want that young maybe unwed teen mom to put faith in the unseen god of creation whom we answer to mm-hmm. You're testifying to that fact based on the way that you work. Mm-hmm. And there's there's just, you'll find that it's hard, that it's difficult, but you'll also see radical answer to prayer, the Lord answering mm-hmm. uh, prayer. You'll see your prayer needs. You don't have to dig around and think about what your prayer needs are. You're on the front lines of ministry. You see what those prayer needs are. They're right in front of you. Um, you will see God be faithful to you time and again as you minister uh, to others. Basically, the closer you step toward the front lines of the real battle 
um, the more faithfulness of the Lord you'll you'll see. Uh, you'll see his faithfulness, I should say it that way. You'll see his faithfulness more to you time mm-hmm. and again. And, and it's it's such a comfort and a joy. And it's something that you would you wouldn't trade for anything. I can promise you that. So it's it's a you know I think it, it requires a lot of prayer, a lot of talking with mm-hmm. you know pastors and, and and submitting to their direction and and plugging those people that you minister to into mm-hmm. the life of the church. That's also tremendously important. It takes yeah. a lot of that, sure, but you know it starts with step one. Yeah. Sit down and t- be burdened and then sit down and talk with your pastor about it. Yeah, the other know? thing I would say is don't be afraid to go do some hard, long-term uh, preparation and work. I've seen yeah. uh, one, one and now two women have gone through counseling training, and one is about to start longer-term yeah. counseling training. Uh, this would be like third, fourth career for one of yeah. them uh, to consider. So if you're thinking, hey, I want to do something in the political realm or in the – counseling realm or in the 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 baby support realm whatever whatever that, <laughs> whatever that is yeah you, you know change diapers for a while you know hang clothes neonatal on care i think is the, the <laughs> proper term. be be around but then be willing to say i'm going to get on a track to go get trained in counseling yeah and i'm going to go get on a track to actually do uh do something and get training that i can actually talk about. even for men there are uh, trainings at one of the pregnancy centers near us where they are wanting men to come in and talk to fathers yeah. of these children about what it means to be a dad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm even thinking about that now myself. Uh, so, we, we, um, and, and, and I think, too, this is just like there's so much here, but like don't underestimate the service that you do in your church even of just rocking babies in the nursery mm-hmm. you know and how much benefit that gives to the church by we had we have a guy in our church who like his his wife was like you know you 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 say you want something to do and and they they're always talking about needing people to rock babies and mm-hmm. and so he he fills out the paperwork he watches all the training <laughs> videos and you know he's a retired man you know mm-hmm. sitting in there rocking babies in, in, <laughs> on the nursery on Sunday and it's a wonderful thing like it's mm-hmm. just incredible to see mm-hmm. what happens when a member of the body of Christ just puts ego away and is willing to do things that are unseen to serve the body in some way and to minister to people who um, really need ministry. And, and, and I can't, listen, I can't I, think I, of a better ministry to people who really need ministry and who would yeah, never be and, able to pay you back or see you than ministry to infants yeah. or to moms who are you know pregnant. And to me, I'm just trying to imagine how many moms don't have any picture expect or or men any picture expectation no category for an older man being willing to take a baby in his arms and rock right. it in a rocking chair right there's no there there is there's no men to do that in many lives much less have they right. ever seen it or right. even think it could be a good thing right if a man were to take a baby and go rock it in the other room. I mean, all kinds of stuff. So that is a really sweet picture, I think, uh, telling uh, for us and, and much needed of the kind of ministry that we could do. Yeah, absolutely.
Well, we'll see. Uh, we're not expecting a decision from the Supreme Court finally until June or July, something like that, I think. So uh, keep praying, keep working, keep serving. And uh, when it comes to the Supreme Court, wait and see. Yeah. Amen. And then, and then we'll see what the Supreme Supreme Court says. Yeah. I don't know what I don't know what to title my sermon now, but yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'm telling you, Supreme Court of <laughs> creation. Okay. I don't know. All right. Doesn't that it means. doesn't ring as as good as Scotus, you know, <laughs> does? But you know, we we can work on it. We can massage it. But there's something there. Okay. Right. So. All, All right. right see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Fire and Bones podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released. Consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you. And most importantly, share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it. Be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links, including our contact information. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Fire and Bones podcast.